the morning. So glad that you guys could make it today. I want to do say a special quick thanks to uh, Nikki and, and Leanne for finding the toilet issue this morning. They came and said, Nathan, the water's not working. I was like, everybody in this building is drinking coffee. We can't go Sunday morning without bathrooms. So thank you, Eddie, for, for figuring out the solution there. You can't go to the restroom this morning. Just leave the water running. That's the rule. Um, Today is the last week in our God With Us sermon series where we're looking at this idea of the incarnation, uh, the third part of the Trinity, the Son, attaining flesh and living among humanity. And uh, we're going to see today um, what that means for us moving into the future. Um, but specifically, let's look back at where we've been. The very first week, you know, we've kind of been looking at what does it mean that God is with us in these different situations in our life. And I'll admit there's a lot of overlap to each of these situations, but hopefully we can pull some truth out of each one. The first week we looked at um, God with us in the valley, and we saw that while we enjoy God's presence on the mountaintop, it's in the valley where we really intimately get to know uh, him. And, um, and that week we also saw that um, we don't live in the valley. The valley is not our destination. It's not our home. We're just passing through that valley. Um, the next week, we looked at uh, God in the wilderness, uh, the story of Elijah, and we saw that um, our deepest need in life becomes a gift um, when it drives us to depend more on God. And, um, and specifically in that story, that dependence on God, Elijah is running for his life and runs into the wilderness. And in that chaos, God speaks to him in a whisper. And we saw that that's because when, when God speaks, he's close. And so he spoke to Elijah in a whisper. And then last week, we looked at God with us in the storm, um, the story of Paul on the ship. And uh, we learned that never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt. I'm, I should be advancing these slides. My bad, guys. Never let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And our faith isn't in what we see um, around us, but it's in what God says, the truth that he speaks into our life. And, and so that brings us into this last week. So we've learned all these truths. And, um, and what does it look like for God to be with us in the waiting? And I say that because um, we know the promises he has for us, right? He, we know that he loves us. We know that he wants us to prosper, that he has a future plan for us. But sometimes we just don't see it, right? We're just so caught up in the waiting. So um, the launching point for this series has been a verse out of Matthew. And I think this week, we're going to give it a little bit more context. Matthew starts with the genealogy of Christ. So starting with Adam, beget, and then it goes through all the begets until we get to Jesus. And then it gives the story of Joseph, who is betrothed to this young girl named Mary, and he finds out that she's with child. And in that culture at that time, Mary could get in a lot of trouble for an extramarital or a premarital child. And so he decides that he's going to divorce her quietly or call off the marriage quietly um, so that um, she won't have any shame. And he's visited in the night by an angel who tells them, you've got to marry this girl, Mary. Um, the child that's inside of her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you're going to call his name Jesus. In Hebrew, that's Yeshua. And it means God saves and then we pick back up, and this is one verse before what we've been reading. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, it says, 
all this took place, so this is talking about everything that was told to Joseph, all this took place, what the Lord had set to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, it's saying that it took place to be fulfilled, right? What the Lord said through the prophet, that prophet was the prophet Isaiah. Um, we read that in our Bible reading just recently. It was about a month ago, a month or two ago. We'd love for you to join. City Point Church is doing our own like year through the Bible, and you can join with us, tinyurl.com forward slash cbcbible22. If you're watching online, I think it's in the description. Um, but we read about this guy named Isaiah who the Lord gave Isaiah a word to the Israelite people about the redemption that was going to happen. And one, one of those passages that he gave to Isaiah was this idea that the virgin would give birth and that they would call the name of this child Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That happened 700 years before the birth of Christ. The Israelite people had that word from Isaiah and then waited 700 years. That's a long time to wait. They had been waiting much longer than that, though, because all of Scripture is pointing towards that incarnation, right? From the very beginning, when man falls in the garden and is promised that, that, that there will be an offspring of Eve that will crush the snake's head. Like, so they're looking forward to that day, waiting Waiting is an inseparable part of the incarnation. It's just part of it. God coming as man, there was waiting. And now as we are waiting for the second advent, the second coming, we're waiting. Waiting's difficult. Um, and it, I, I was thinking about it today, right? Like, so my science background tells me that time is related to space, right? It's the fourth dimension. Um, but it's different because if we have a, uh, a journey that we're going to take, depending on how far away our destination is, we can change our mode of transportation, right? If I'm just going to get the mail, um, my mail is in my neighborhood, I can walk there, right? It's a short enough distance. Uh, but if I have an errand to run in town, then I'm going to take my car because I'm not going to walk to Walmart and then carry all that stuff back. Um, or if it's even farther, we have technology now like planes, Right? So we used to, our only option was walking, and then we domesticated animals, and that has started a process of no matter how far away the destination is, we have a way to get there faster. That's not true with time. We are all traveling this journey of time at the same pace. There's nothing that you can create to take you to that destination faster. We're all waiting, and it is difficult. I like to tell the story of my oldest, Maisie, whenever she was little, we learned very quickly, you couldn't talk about plans in front of Maisie because she would just be like, well, let's just do that right now. And she even came up with a phrase. She said, I'm a right now kind of girl. <laughs> and that's cute as a child. We feel that same way as an adult. Why wait when we just have it right now? But waiting is part of God's plan for humanity, and so he's given us this gift of waiting. All right, whenever I think about the significance of the incarnation, one of the first um, stories that comes to mind is the story of Lazarus. Lazarus is a pretty popular Sunday school story. So if you grew up in the church, you might have already heard it. And it's a popular Sunday school story because 
you get the kids to act it out. One of them gets wrapped up in toilet paper. He's Lazarus. He gets put in the grave, you know, behind um, a curtain or outside a door. And then there's another kid in a bathrobe. He gets to play Jesus. And you have this moment, everybody's crying. Jesus says, roll away the stone. They say, well, Lord, Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. He's probably stinking at this point. And then Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth and woo. It's an awesome story. It's also an interesting picture that we get. This is right before Holy Week, right? Leading up to his death. We get this picture of Jesus having a strange power over the grave, right? That he calls somebody who's dead back to life. But we're going to talk about the lead up to this story. We're going to spend some time in the story, and we're going to see that Maybe Lazarus coming back from the grave and Jesus having power over death isn't the only point that this story is trying to make. And so the point that we're going to look at today is God could have only shouted his love from heaven, but instead he showed his love to us on earth. So we pick up the story in John chapter 11. If you want to read the story of Lazarus, it starts in John chapter 11, verse 1. We need to step back a little bit to talk about the characters in the story. Lazarus, obviously, is, it's about him. So he's one of the characters. And then he has two sisters, Mary and Martha. And to Jesus, these siblings, in some ways, are closer than his own family. At this point in his ministry, uh, his family's kind of disowned him. He's just, you know, he's crazy Jesus, and he thinks he's the Messiah. And so they don't really have anything to do with him except for his mother. And so these people are where he stays when he's in town. He visits Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And so that takes us up to the very first verse of chapter 11. It says, now a man, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to the Lord, Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So there's a couple things to take away from here. Jesus loves this family, right? And I know he's the Messiah. He loves us all. He had a special connection to this family when he was on earth. And they reminded him of it in their request. They didn't say, Lord, Lazarus is sick. Lord, our brother is sick. They said, Lord, the one that you love is sick. The other thing that I want to mention right here is the story that we're told sounds like it came earlier in the book. This Mary, whose brother's Lazarus lay uh, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. That's from John chapter 12. That's the next chapter. So we're getting a little picture here of the next chapter. John has that benefit because he's writing this years in the future. He knows the whole story. In the moment, we didn't have this. But if John felt like he needed to let us know, the outcome of this story is Mary's going to be worshiping Jesus in the next chapter. He has that insight that only comes from hindsight. Nobody in this story knew that Mary was going to be worshiping at Jesus' feet, right? Lazarus was dying. That's all they knew. But there is insight that comes when we look back in these situations. So it's important for us to know when we're in that waiting, we don't get that benefit. It's only something that comes later. Or it comes if you're the son of God come in the flesh. 
All right, let's pick that story back up. Well, again, let me reiterate. God could have only shouted his love from heaven, but instead he showed it to us here on earth. Picking up in in verse four, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Are we looking at the same thing? Yeah, that's right. So God's son might be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, what do you think Jesus did? He left immediately to go. No, he didn't. He said a prayer healing Lazarus. No, he didn't. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, it says he stayed where he was two more days. That's weird. That word so is important, right? So so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, that tells us that this decision is based on the information that previously preceded it. I guess previously and preceded is the same word. Whatever information preceded it. And that information is that Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus left these sisters on red. We think of that as a pretty modern problem, but it existed 2,000 years ago. If you guys aren't sure what I'm talking about, being left on red, it's in text messages, you can send read receipts, right? So you know that person read your message. They don't text back. That's being left on red. It's a serious problem in today's culture, something that needs to be addressed. I found a WikiHow article on some ideas on what to do if you're left on red. It was pretty wild. I think it was 12. I'm going to share just a few. And uh, these are crazy. One of them was post on social media to get their attention. Just make a post, talk about how fun the day has been. Maybe they'll see it. Um, another one was make up a funny or sarcastic comment. Like, wow, you're texting back so fast, I can barely keep up. <laughs> Do we have these slides? Where'd they go? They just disappeared. Okay, cool. I had pictures. I had really cool pictures of all this. So you're texting back so fast, I can barely keep up. Um, and, then, and then another word of advice, I think this is the most important. When you're replying to being left on red, maybe just send one text at a time. <laughs> Don't just blow up their phone. Where have you been? What are you doing? This hurts so much. <laughs> so God, Jesus left these sisters on red. And it says, because he loved them. Hmm, that's weird. Have you ever met somebody who sends read receipts only so they can leave people on red? I know a few people like that. That's like an extra level of evil. (laughs) So um, all that to say, do you guys ever feel like God's left you on red? Like you pray and pray and pray and those prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling? Like maybe the only person who hears it is the devil and he goes out of his way to ruin your day, ruin your plans and your future. We know God can do anything. We know the promises he's made for us. We know that he wants the best for us. And we think, Lord, like you've given me a desire to be in a relationship. Why am I waiting? Or you've given me the desire to have children. That's a biblical thing to raise a godly family. Why isn't it happening? God, you've given me a desire to make a difference in the world around me. When is that going to be fulfilled? 
and he leaves you unread. God, I desire to have a home, a roof over my head, some place to call my own. Why isn't that desire being fulfilled? Jesus left Mary and Martha unread. God could have only shouted his love from heaven. Instead, he showed it to us on earth. So right after this, Jesus says, let's go. Let's go to Jerusalem. And his disciples are like, God, if, Jesus, if we go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill us. And Jesus has this kind of cryptic lesson of, obviously, that's going to happen. That's how it all ends. Um, but they don't quite get the picture. And then we pick back up in um, verse 17. Oh, no, sorry. Not verse 17. Verse 11. We see, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. This is obviously a disciple response. I have no clue of what Jesus is talking about. So uh, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he just told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Don't you desire to have that kind of plainness with God? If he could just tell me what the situation involves. But in, in fact, we don't often get that, right? We get the insight of hindsight. After it's happened, we can look back. Um, but oftentimes, he's not playing with us in that waiting. And it seems difficult, sometimes impossible, to wait through that situation. I think, though, that the waiting is important, Right, the waiting is important. God could have, have only shouted his love from heaven. Instead, he showed it to us on earth. So they travel to Bethany, and um, we pick this back up in verse 17. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. That's important, the four days. We won't get into that. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, so they were almost to Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to confront them in their loss of their brother, sorry, comfort them in their loss of their brother. Uh, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, uh, but Mary stayed at home. This is important because we have another story of Mary and Martha, and from that story, we learn that Martha is a host. That is her gift. Her gift is hosting and serving. And in this moment, she says, Jesus is not invited to my house. She goes and meets him outside the town. This woman is hurt. When she meets him, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I knew that even now, sorry, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Does your heart hurt so much that your brain takes over? Like, you know what God has promised, and so you're just going to make sense of this situation, right? Well, maybe he didn't give me that desire, or maybe he's going to fulfill it in some other way. And no doubt, that could be the case, but you lack the insight because you are in the middle of that situation. He does love you. And he doesn't need your excuses, but he's welcome to hear them, right? When we cry out from our heart, Lord, why isn't this happening? He's our loving father. He loves hearing that kind of stuff. 
And then we get this response from Jesus. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, this verse is important because this is one of the seven I am statements in John. John themes his, his gospel around these I am statements. And this is one of them. And it will become important. We're just going to put a pin in it, though, and talk about this I am statement here in just a little bit. So to remind you, God could have only shouted his love from heaven, but he decided instead he was going to show it to us here on earth. Then we pick back up the story. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said. He is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got, oh sorry, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, and this is the same thing that Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then this is followed by the shortest verse in the whole Bible. So if you like memorizing verses, this one's for you. John chapter 11, verse 35 reads, Jesus wept. One of the commentators puts it this way. A God in tears has provoked the smile of the stoic and the scorn of the unbeliever. But Christianity is not a gospel of self-sufficiency. And it's a message not merely to the human intellect. It is a salvation for the whole man and for every man. And the sorrowing heart of humanity has never seen more clearly the divinity of the Son of Man than when it has seen his glory shining through his human tears. John's is an interesting gospel. And I think this is the point he's trying to make. He did shout his love from heaven for all of humanity. That's the whole Old Testament. But that's not where he stopped. Instead, he showed it to us here on earth. John's gospel is the only gospel to start with Christ's divinity. Matthew starts with his genealogy. Mark jumps right into the story. Luke tells the story of his birth, but John starts with this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Lazarus, uh, sorry, Jesus wasn't weeping for Lazarus. 
he started this story in verse four saying Lazarus was coming back from the dead. He was not weeping for Lazarus. He was weeping with Mary. Weeping in her waiting, knowing the outcome and knowing the outcome is a handful of verses away. They're walking to the tomb after this to call him forth. But he takes that moment to weep with Mary in her waiting. Human tears. A God in tears. God could have only shouted his love from heaven. Instead, he showed it to us on earth. It blows my mind thinking about it. A timeless God placing himself into time so that he could experience that waiting. An infinitely powerful God who created all of everything and not only created it, but also sustains it, had to wait nine months in a woman's womb to be born. Think about that. He had to have known something was different but then he had to wait for that difference to become significant. He is here with these people, knowing that he's about to express his power, knowing that the resurrection of Lazarus um, is going to just blow their minds. And then he gets to wait until these same people chant crucify him. His tears weren't for Lazarus because he knew the outcome. He was weeping with Mary in her waiting. And so whatever that looks like for you, however that waiting looks like for you, we can know that God is with us in that moment, weeping with us, knowing the outcome that he has planned for you. Because he could have just shouted his love from heaven but he decided to come here on earth and show us for whoever repents and believes, he's poured out his love for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Christmas. We thank you for the baby, the fact that you had planned from the very beginning when you created everything you had a plan of rescue. Thank you that you're with us in the waiting and thank you for the plan that you have for us. In Jesus' name. You guys stand up, let's sing together.